Hey, good evening, everyone. Back for more questions and answers. So tonight's question is on the healing power of meditation. The it's a common question. The common theme is the question of whether meditation can heal X, Y, or Z, can, can do X, Y, or Z for us. Can meditation do this? Can meditation do that? Uh, this question actually specifically asks whether, and it's a good example of the question, whether meditation and mindfulness can cure the damage to the brain and the mind caused by psychedelics. It's an interesting question. Um, I'm not sure whether this person has heard me talk about my experience with psychedelics because... Um, I think my brain was somewhat damaged by psychedelics, temporarily, permanently, I don't know. Um, I've done psychedelics before and there have been no problems, but something in this one um, really changed the way my brain sort of functioned. There was something wrong. Like I, I, I felt like I had been pulled away from the experiential world and there was a sort of a um, a lapse or a disconnect and it was acutely felt every time I, I then did drugs usually cannabis and what's cannabis? cannabis is marijuana, right? <laughs> um, right. Um, <clears throat> I, would, I would feel this again this disconnect like I wasn't really there no cannabis in moderation does not have phenomenal potential. You people in chat, shh, you're listening to the Dhamma now. If you're not interested in listening, go elsewhere. Not so many comments. I don't need a running commentary, please. Thank you. Um... And it was many, it was, it was... Well, it turned me off of drugs, really. Um, and so, not to say that drugs do that. Drugs are not all the same. But I couldn't do them anymore. I couldn't get stoned anymore. Um, I think I was still into alcohol for a while, whatever. Anyway, I, I, I empathize with the potential um, problems to the brain. I mean, there have been studies done on how alcohol, caffeine, and marijuana do degrade the brain. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's studies I've seen. True? False? I don't know. I mean, science is always learning new things. Um, but there appears to be the potential for some connection to actual brain damage just by drinking lots of coffee or alcohol or taking lots of marijuana. 
Um, but, but it's more extreme. Psychedelics, I guess. I mean, apparently I'm not the only one who had this sort of experience where you really feel like you've damaged your brain in some way. So, regardless, this isn't to talk about drugs. If you people are, all these chats are talking about cannabis and so on, I'm not interested. Please go elsewhere. Um, that's not what this talk is about. This talk is about the healing power of meditation. If you suffer brain damage, I mean, a really good question would be, what if you have a, a partial lobotomy, or maybe you get into an accident and have brain trauma, trauma, or maybe you, um, what you, well, for some reason or another, your brain gets gets damaged. Maybe you're sniffing gasoline, right? That'll do it. And so there's this question of whether meditation can heal this. I mean, I, I think of all the questions of can meditation do this and can meditation do that, this one has a good potential to be answered in the positive, right? Because meditation deals with the mind, um, which is very closely related to the brain. And... Um, so med the, the healing power of meditation might then extend to uh, this sort of brain damage. Now the question was asking whether the damage to the mind can be healed. That's an, actually a completely different question. I mean, first you have to ask, can the mind be damaged? What does it mean to have mind damage? Something I've actually never been asked before. So let's separate these out. First, first let's do away with that one. Mind damage... Mind damage can only mean the cultivation of bad habits, right? And bad habits can be pretty extreme. If you do something, even once, that's quite extreme, then it can affect the, the mind in quite an extreme way. The mind can also be affected by physical changes. So if the brain were to undergo some severe trauma or so on, then... Um, the potential re uh, result to the mind might be be quite extreme, um, based on the person's reactivity. You know, you're reacting to it, and the inability to uh, adapt to change. You know, the expectation and so on. Uh, the mind is organic as well, and so it can be affected by the physical. <clears throat> but it's not it's not damaged per se. It's just. Uh, caught up in habits and expectations is the big one and those expectations are not met because of the changes to the physical um, so that being healed that absolutely can be healed through meditation I mean one of the one of the extra one of the important aspects of this question is whether or not you mean in this life or whether you mean in future lives uh, I mean for the mind healing can go, is ongoing and it can start as soon as you um, undertake training in meditation for example and um, you know it continues in this life and it continues into the next life it's possible um, that there are certain parameters under which it's it's not possible it's possible that it might be not possible for a person to become enlightened in this life uh, so for a person to free themselves from bad habits possible to be in such a situation I could think of 
maybe a lobotomy. I don't know. I don't have any back, uh, any evidence or background for this. But if a person has electroshock therapy or a lobotomy or something, it may, um, I wouldn't say render the mind incapable of becoming enlightened, but it will make it very difficult, or it will, it will render it so difficult um, that the mind just has is incapable, un incapable of changing its bad habits, of changing its uh, reactions, its interactions with the physical. I mean, changing to the extent of, of healing, of, of becoming enlightened, really. The, um, the damage to the brain uh, is, in a, is in a whole other realm. Right? Brain damage can affect the mind, but only involves the stimuli that the mind is fed, right? So it, it, it is a different category. Okay. So having dealt with the mind, I mean, the most important thing to understand about the mind is it deals with reactions, interactions, and, and, and habits of interactions that are affected by the physical. When we turn to the physical, we're in this realm of asking this question, can meditation do X, Y, and Z? Uh, and it's actually two different questions when we ask whether meditation can do something and whether mindfulness can do something. And an important part of this question, that for, from my perspective, is a clarification of what mindfulness does, what mindfulness meditation is for, what it is meant to do. Now, it's certainly possible that you might sit down and practice meditation and mindfulness and you suddenly have all sorts of strange things happen. Maybe you remember your past lives. Maybe you start floating in the air. Apparently this has happened to people. Not very common, but apparently yes. Um, you, you, many people, this is relatively common, where they'll hear things that aren't there. And there's a speculation that they're hearing things far away. Some people even claim to, be, to hear things far away see things far away, leave their body. That's a common one. Someone will leave their body and look down at themselves. They'll be looking down. Oh, there's me sitting in meditation. This you hear. True, false. Some people are probably quite skeptical. But these are the kinds of things that can happen. So, um, could mindfulness meditation do many, many things? Sure. It's important to understand that that, that None of those things are what mindfulness meditation is for. And you might say, well, that's not a problem. It's inter just interesting to know that there are byproducts. But the other thing is, the desire for those things to happen prevents you from practicing mindfulness. Even if you desire something like remembering past lives, any time you want to remember your past life, you're no longer practicing mindfulness you're now engaging in a desire for something. You might even think it's a wholesome desire or a wholesome intention, but it's no longer mindfulness. And so if you desire for, if your intention, this is the point, if your intention in practicing mindfulness meditation has anything to do with any of those things, healing the body, healing the brain, healing your cold, healing your eyesight, <laughs> Uh, making you more beautiful or something like that. No, anything, even let's say wholesome things, like maybe uh, making me healthier or so on, then it, it detracts from your ability to practice mindfulness meditation. It actually makes it uh, no longer mindfulness. It's an important point to keep in mind that when you ask these questions, the real problem is that you want for those things to happen. And the, 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 the asking of the question... Um, 
puts you at an important dissonance in terms of mindfulness practice because if that's what's bringing you to meditation to mindfulness meditation you're not going to be practicing mindfulness meditation until you realize um, that that it's getting in the way of not just you practicing this meditation that I teach but it's getting in the way of you finding freedom from suffering your desire for freedom from brain damage even uh, is going to get in the way of you you're finding freedom from suffering right so suppose brain damage I got um, I got really sick in Sri Lanka and I had the feeling that it changed how my brain works and so some memory isn't quite as good as it used to be and I'm also just getting older so it could be that but um, if I want for that to change if I have this this intention and this is often the thing you have a desire to remember better there's even claims that mindfulness meditation improves your memory I think for some people it does I've also met other meditators mindfulness meditators who, who don't have very good me memory even though their mindfulness is quite good it seems um, and, I, and I think it does depend to some extent on the, the capacity of the brain the functioning of the brain and so on um, And so there's a, there's a, there's this relationship, and the the, uh, the the mind can in some cases heal the brain. There there might be healing that go that goes on, but the desire for it, the the intention, the um, the concern even for the healing of the brain is a problem. Um, and 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 so really not as, an, as the most important point because it's not so interesting to me um, or, or it's not something that I wish to make interesting but I think there are other types of meditation that potentially have the express benefit of healing the brain let's say or healing the body or helping you remember past lives obviously helping you float through the air helping you leave your body Lots of teachings in Buddhism, outside of Buddhism, um, by Buddhists. You'll hear them talk about these things, so many different kinds. And I think that's all valid. I mean, science would reject a lot of it. Like, let's say I say, I can give you a meditation that's going to cure your cancer. Scientists would say that's both ridiculous and reckless to suggest such a thing. That doesn't really have any bearing on, on me saying it's possible. Uh, it's possible as far as I know. Anything's possible, as far as I know, because, but partially because I just don't understand science. I'm not a science. I'm not a material scientist to the extent that I can tell you what's physically possible and what's physically impossible. Could could meditation regrow a lost limb? Um, I think yes, it could. Um, science would would, of course, many of you are, even here are probably saying that's ridiculous. It's impossible. Um, but that's not really what I mean by possible. It's it's possible in the sense that uh, I, I don't have proof, and and I don't not really interested in finding proof. It's not in my realm of what I can prove to say yes or no. It's it's just something out there. The more important point is that again, when you are practicing those meditations, it's to your detriment. It's generally to your detriment to be practicing meditation to heal this or to heal that because it's creating clinging, because it's creating distraction, because it's uh, reinforcing your attachment to things like health, to things like the well, the good, the, the proper functioning of the brain even. If you want to remember better, 
it's going to get in the way of your meditation because you become attached to remembering. And it's always temporary, and when it goes away, etc., etc., you're going to be upset, and so on. So the point of this, and, and the point of me of answering this question that I want to, to get across, is that um, mindfulness requires letting go. That m mindfulness meditation, the four foundations of mindfulness, for the purpose of seeing insight, requires you really to not have any ambition, any desire, even the desire to become enlightened is going to get in your way. It has to be about being here and now. So people say, well then, what about wanting to meditate? And it's 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 really not a proper question or a pro proper concern because of the nature of mindfulness. Mindfulness is actually nothing. It's, it's, it's stopping everything. Are you here and now? It's not a cult because it's nothing. Me sitting here now, when I can just sit here now without belief, without dogma, without um, any kind of ambition or desire, that's enlightenment. When a person can do that, it's not anything. It's not, um, it's not even a religion, really. It's the religion of losing your religion. So in the beginning, there's there's many desires, and I think the best we can do, and and what's important here, is to stop uh, with extraneous desires. If you desire to become enlightened, uh, as I said, it's going to get in your way, but it's better than desiring for meditation to straighten your teeth or or your, fix your eyesight or or even fix your brain, your memory, and so on. So, I hope that was useful. I think we might turn off these comments. <laughs> this is the internet. Scary place. I, guess I think it's distracting. I mean, I appreciate those of you who are who are, are listening keenly, but I would, really would like it to be like that. I mean, I know the novel thing about live streaming is you can interact with a broadcaster, it's not really what this is about. Uh, and, and so maybe we could have a stream where I do interact with the comments. I do talk to people in the comments. The problem with that, of course, is we get uh, we get these sorts of comments. Here, I'll scroll through them. Sounds like a cult. A lot of these are good. No, you're, I mean, it's, I have a really good audience. It's really incredible. Here's someone asking me, someone called Truth is Within asking me when I'll be back in Ontario. Calling me Noah, that's interesting. Oh, I think you've got some very good, good comments here. But the point stands. Listening to the Dhamma should be about listening. So maybe we'll have times where I turn off the comments and then we'll have streams where I have the comments on and we can have a, a, a chat. I'll chat with the internet. What could, what could possibly go wrong? Anyway, thank you all for tuning in. 74 people watching, that's great. Wish you all the best. <laughs>